I've cried alone in the dark. I did it just yesterday. I found a hole in the shoulder of my new turtleneck. You ever think something's perfect and then find it has a flaw, like a scratch on a crystal or a relationship with a loved one? How we tackle adversity tells us a great deal about ourselves. In any case, I've taken to long, lonely cries followed by ritual baths I make by collecting flat stones, fresh herbs, and detritus from around the Gowanus Canal, and I float it all in scalding hot water in my tub. I make a little mini Gowanus right in my home. Then I light some matches on account of the stench and realize that not everything needs an elaborate ritual. Sometimes you just need to return a turtleneck to Amazon and then you feel light and free enough to open up that portal that leads us to the Deep Night. Hello, it's me, Dale Seaver. How are you? I can't hear you, so just say it out loud to yourself into your cow neck or breezy linen shaman robes, whatever you happen to be wearing as you listen to this program. I'm pleased to be with you, back from Los Angeles, and ready to sail through another hour of regrets and revelations and rising stars, that which populates this deep night of ours. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. If you have no idea what a Gowanus is, well, Google it. It's gross and beautiful and full of decay, just like families. I was so tickled to visit my extended family of creatives and mystics out in Los Angeles. I had gone out to Palm Springs to try and track down my wife, Galinda, who, as you know, was being a little coy about being in touch and not responding to the hundreds of voicemails I was leaving for her. So I surprised her at her motel just outside of Palm Springs proper in a town called Plemsprongs. There I found Galinda in what can only be called a distressed state. She was frantic and had made a mess of her motel room. Samples of my line of essential oils were spilled everywhere, but because it reeked of the calming sense... I was originally a little miffed at the, uh, her behavior, but I quickly became very relaxed, and my chronic sciatica pain really let up. So are essential oils better than Western medicine? Maybe. Anywho, Galinda was there in the corner, naked but for a silk scarf wrapped around her midsection, her giant hands pointing wildly at the corner. Apparently, there was an energy vortex that had opened there, and it was full of aggressive animalistic energy. Well, I grabbed the velour comforter from the bed, wrapped it around Galinda, and got her into the shower. I cranked the water on to cleanse the evil from her vessel, then turned my attention to the crackling demon energy in the corner of the Plem Sprongs Motel 6. Out! Out! I cried, and held my amulet aloft, its eyes shining in the shapeless creature's direction. Then there was a loud arc of static and the faint smell of burnt sugar, and I could then feel that the evil had left us. Galinda emerged from the bathtub, and we held each other, dripping with relief and soap bubbles as little pieces of velour crumbled off the comforter and fell to the cracked tiles below. So, yeah, L.A. was pretty fun. I did have a very intense, probably racist Lyft driver who was very concerned about the anti-fascist forces gathering. I think maybe he had uh, a few too many yoni eggs that he was sitting on while watching YouTube videos on the dark web. He also complained a lot about how exhausted he was from delivering packages for Amazon. I think we're asking people with cars to do too much. They're starting to crack. Well, I wish that fellow well, which is what I say when I hope to never see someone again. Tonight on the program, I was fortunate to be called to L.A. in the first place by the talent of my guest, comedian, actor, and writer, Alison Becker. I was sobbing into a Tibetan sound chalice when the vibrations started spelling out the words Becker. At first I thought, that show with Ted Danson from the 90s, and then I realized, oh, you must mean Alison Becker, the talented gal I so admire. I hopped in a portal, also known as Delta Economy Comfort, using my silver medallion status for some free cookie nibs and a cold pastrami, and headed out to meet with her and talk about her work in the show business. We arranged to meet at the glorious Dub Room Studios high above Hollywood on the Sunset Strip 
for a wonderful conversation about comedy and UCB and her time on the TV show Parks and Rec and her current work writing and directing and making a short film called Control, which is on the festival circuit right now. And folks, set your DVRs, Owlets, because Allison is appearing on the new episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm on the HBO. So let's together commit to kindness and openness as we dive ever further into that great deep night for my discussion with Alison Becker. Alison Becker, 1L, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm doing okay. Oh, of course, I've opened here. up a special portal and arrived in Los Angeles, yes. California. Welcome to Thank LA. you, thank you so much. Nice to be back uh, here on the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. I lived here before. Oh, you did? For a little while, yes. Uh, in what was kind of my dark days, my lost days oh, following. Sorry. It's okay, I've grown past, it's been some time. Do you not want to talk about it? No, I do. That's why I'm going there. (laughs) Because for me, Los Angeles um, was a little dark. There's a little darkness that happens. Mm -hmm. Creeps around a little bit. And I mean, it was dark for me personally, but I also feel like it's just there's a lot of people that hope for things. Oh, yeah. It's a city of dreams. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah. It, you do, do you find that you have ways to deal with that darkness? Uh, marijuana? Well. That helps. <laughs> that um, certainly does. <laughs> crying on my couch? Um, that but helps? It, yes. Gets I, it out. Listen, I did a little bit of that because it was right after my divorce and I was down here bopping around, doing things, catering and all that. And uh, it just, it was tough to have to drive so far to see people. Yeah. To maintain relationships. Yeah. To find love. Mm-hmm. Difficult. And you're involved in the acting. Oh, I'm involved in the acting, In yes. the show business. In the show business, the business of show. Yes. I am very much in it. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. I, I, I noticed, though, just coming from New York and sort of suddenly here, and I just had a great vegan lunch. Of so course you I, did. I'm, I'm very <laughs> focused and centered. But uh, last night I had a Lyft driver talking okay. about this darkness, and he was explaining how exhausted he was, which, number one, not a great thing to start off with with a <laughs> driver. Yes. yes. Talking about how he had to... Uh, drop off Amazon packages for people and how people are so trusting about leaving their frozen pizzas in the hallway, <laughs> which leads me to believe that he doesn't live in a great place. Right, or he's stealing those pizzas. <laughs> Anyhow, and then he's worried about protests and uh, saying dark things. It got very dark very quickly, so that's I'm feeling that, and it was very much on the top of my mind whenever I'm here. But there's also great, exciting light that yes. happens. and And if you stay here long enough, you find it, don't you? You do. You still have to hunt for it, but you find it. <laughs> well, speaking of this, dealing with it, mm-hmm. whether you're crying on the couch yes. or maybe you have tendencies to do something, you have a short film that's I making do. the rounds right now that I think ties into this in some way. It does. It's a short film called Control that I wrote and starred in and produced. And it is about mental illness, yes. um, depression and OCD specifically. Yep. Um, and we're really excited. Um, my friend Kimmy Gatewood directed it and co-produced it. Um, she's of the Apple Sisters yes, and on GLOW. And she's on GLOW. Yes, yes she is. Yes. Um, they're now shooting their second season, which is very exciting. It's a great show. It's so fun. Um, but yeah, we made this short film and we are very excited because it's gotten into some amazing festivals like Palm Springs. Um, it's going to be on, I think tonight actually in the Big Apple Film Festival in New York, um, Southern Screen Festival in Louisiana. We did Holly Shorts Festival here in LA. We're doing two other ones in LA and there's the Santa Monica International Film Festival, LA Comedy Fest, because it's a dark comedy. It is about a serious topic, but it is a comedy. Yes. And Um, are you allowed to say that the, the path of what happens, someone is feeling um, sad. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's about suicide, and yes. it's about a woman's uh, suicide note that turns into a suicide binder because <laughs> she can't leave everything unfinished. Right, a little bit of that obsessive compulsiveness. Yes, and uh, for me personally, I have a. If you have a Venn diagram of like OCD and superstition, right. I'm right in the middle. <laughs> oh shit! Because I don't. If my crystals are misaligned. <laughs> That's a bad day. Yeah. You'll fit right in here in L.A. I think it'll be okay. I had a day like that. Just a lot of calamity happening. Mm -hmm. Cut my finger on the trunk of the car trying to get it out. Had something fall on my good blazer. It was a lot of uh, difficulties. Did you have a third one? Because if not, the third one's coming. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, right. I broke the stool. Does you, that you count? Did. I feel like that's part of it. When I, I sat think on that's the stool, part of I the day. Um, and it's it, but it's called control. Was it terribly exciting to to do that? Had you done a, a anything I've of that scale? I've never done anything like that that I've you know seen made from start to finish like that. My writing partner Kimmy, she and I are writing a couple movies together, and we were uh, I was talking about this idea I had for a scene that I've had in my head for years, and. I pitched it to her, and she said, that's not a scene, that's a short film. You should write that. So I've always kind of, like I said, had it in my head, so I was able to write it very quickly. There's no dialogue in it, so I just kind of put it down on paper and uh, all the action. And then I sent it to Kimmy, and I was like, is this like a starting point? And she was like, this is great. We are going to shoot this next week in your apartment. I got a DP. My husband, Matt, is running sound. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing it. <laughs> and then we shot it, and she edited it, and it looks amazing. That's terrific. Yeah. Well, congratulations Thank on you. doing that. It, it's uh, terribly exciting when something actually happens. Yeah, right. And, and you see it all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And would you want to do it again? I know a lot of people say, well, are you, are you eager to get back into it? Yes, I would do it again, but I don't think I would shoot in my apartment. That was very <laughs> stressful. That's a good lesson to learn um even though everyone was delightfully uh respectful i still i live in a tiny place and it was pretty intense to have like all that equipment in there and your life is turned upside down um but yes i would definitely do it again yeah and do do you have a little tinge of of the the ocd or oh yeah definitely don't we all it's 2017 (laughs) we have to yeah we're all a little anxious i definitely have a routine yeah and what's your routine well, part of it is like how you shampoo or even how yep. you wash or something. And it has to go in the right direction. I agree. It has to go in the right order. In the right order. And then there's maybe a scrub up this arm, a scrub up that arm, a full turn around, and then rinse it out of the and hair. And then are you like, oh, I cut my finger on the trunk. That's because I didn't. That's because I did my left arm instead of my right arm. When, when one is traveling. Yes. Everything gets thrown off. Oh, yes. So uh, already I just have to You're kind at- of embrace. <laughs> no matter what I do, it's a little rocky. You know, and I haven't been here that long, so it's a, okay. You know, we're still new. I'll, Good I'll, luck. By tomorrow, I'll settle in. All right, you'll have a new routine. <laughs> I'll have everything lined up, the remotes and everything Great. at the hotel. It'll be okay. But Allison, you give us hope. You do oh, not only you. with this project, but all the wonderful things that you've done. And uh, you're just a gal from what I imagine are the deep woods of New Jersey. <laughs> it was the deep woods of New is Jersey. Is that where it actually? is? Almost yeah. near the Poconos. Yeah, that's right. I'd um, say conservatively an hour and nine minutes. Minutes to Dorney Park and Wildwater Kingdom. Oh, God bless you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Did you go there? I went to Dorney Park. I went to uh, Great Adventure. Yeah. Uh, I did Action Park. Oh, that one was, was really dangerous. Water. Oh, yeah. Very dangerous. <laughs> yes. Many people were rumored to have died or gotten severely injured there. Yet our parents brought us every summer, <laughs> paid the $17 or whatever it was, and let us run around until our heads burst open with blood. <laughs> It was great. Thank you. I actually you. wrote. Do you remember that? Uh, that there's a magazine called. Uh, you probably wouldn't know it because you're not from New Jersey, but there is a magazine called Weird New Jersey. Yes, no, they might I know have it. them for many states. I don't know, but I know they have one called Weird New Jersey. It's the thing that Chris Gethard worked. for. Yes, he worked. Chris yes. Gethard worked for it exactly. Um, and because New Jersey shockingly has a lot of folklore surrounding like the Jersey Devil, yes. especially like out where I grew up, there's all these. Like I used to be afraid that the Jersey Devil was going to come and get me. You should be. <laughs> <It's> so ridiculous. <laughs> But when I'm you still live, scared. Like, when yeah, when you live in the woods, there's like literally all these people make up these like ridiculous stories. Like there was a legend of like a hooker man. I still don't know what that meant. Like I think his hands were hooks, but he was called the hooker man, Let's and he hope was gonna so. he was gonna come get you. Um, looking back on it, it's very like insensitive to disabled people. But at the time, it was. Um, set up to be a very scary thing and he he could have also been an evil he could have also been evil i mean I disabled mean, people can also be they, evil they have the i want to give them full, oppor- full <laughs> sure. opportunity here sure um so oh so yeah when gethard was writing for weird new jersey he reached out to a bunch of us from jersey and he was like did you guys go to action park and we all had stories about it so he compiled all these stories from action park and they did an episode or, um, issue on this and yeah, everyone had the craziest, and everyone had like vague recollections of the same things that may or may not have been urban legends. Yeah. Or I guess suburban, le- or I guess rural legends, as they were. Yes. Like there was, when you walked into Action Park, there was, it was all water slides, and there was one water slide that I never saw functioning. It was just shut down, but they left it standing, and it was a full loop. <laughs> Like a full vertical loop in a freaking water slide. 
And the story I had heard was that somebody got stuck on it and died. Yes, that and is that the story ha- you would hear. And that is what most people had heard. But then some people were like, no, they sent a test mannequin down and the mannequin got stuck. Um, anyway, never saw anybody ride that ride. And if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of them were just like cement slides. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> terribly conceived. Yes, okay. Many of them had just like full 90 degree turns, which yeah. you should not have nope. in a water slide. Give it a gentle 45. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But even Dorney Park was not without its hazards. I lost a great digital watch to the wave pool. Oh, did there. you? Oh, that was a great wave pool. It was a great wave pool. Yeah, because they had a water park separate from the park, separate, right? Separate admission. And they had, yeah. I believe their roller coaster was the laser, if I'm not mistaken. It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the most like newfangled one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I did ride that laser. Why did you end up in the woods? Um, great question. My uh, my fam my parents and my aunts and uncles grew up in Clifton, New Jersey, which is a yeah. like a much closer to the city, much more of an urban area, and they wanted to you know do better for their families. So when they were able to, they moved us out to the country. And then my brother and I, growing up in the country, we were like, we would like to do better for ourselves and move to the city. So I'm sure our children will also move out back to the country. Yes. Yeah, that's how it goes. Like open concepts. Yeah. Yep. Everybody's putting up walls again between the dining room and the living room. Exactly. I imagine. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not sustainable. We just knocked these down. (laughs) No. We could put a wall here and here and here and put in a supporting wall. I watch a lot of HGTV. I can tell. Are all of your references? HGTV? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So All I right. hope that'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big we're getting fan into of... the shiplath portion of the. Are you upset about, um, shoot, what are their names? The Gaineses? Yeah, Chip and Joe. <laughs> are you upset about Chip and Joe? <laughs> uh, because of their conservative uh, business? No, because they're leaving, their show's ending. Well, but they're leaving because of backlash over the conservative. Oh, is that why they're leaving? I, I think so. I don't watch the show. I know that my parents watch it, so that would yeah. align with the Listen, they're winning. They have a nice chemistry. Are they super Republican? Uh, I believe so. Oh, that yeah. makes it. I mean, yeah. that tracks. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah. And the rest of the people are Canadian. Yeah, they're all Canadian. <laughs> they are Canadians. all Canadian, There's right? a lot of Canadian shows. That yeah. income property guy is Canadian. He's the only one I care about. He's real hot. <laughs> if you're listening, I know you're married. Just well, give me a call. Just drop us a line here yeah. on the program. <laughs> uh, so, but so you're uh, several generations of New Jersey. Several generations of New Jersey. That's well, wonderful. Yeah, three, two or three generations of New Jersey, depending on which side of the family. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I have some of that in uh, my family history too. Great. In Atlantic City. Oh, Atlantic down there. City. AC. When it was really happening, on account of the. You know, corruption and <laughs> it was it was really booming with all that corruption. It helps some places. I've been to Atlantic City. I saw. Yeah. I am from New Jersey, so I saw Bon Jovi perform there. Hey, that's pretty good. That's like a very New Jersey. Oh yeah, yeah. at the Bellagio. Whoa! Come on. Listen, that was good. Well, were you dreaming of TV and showbiz as a young person in the um, woods? I was. I was dreaming of of showbiz and writing. Really? Yes. What 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 was the thing? And the... being a veterinarian. Oh, those are good things to do. Yeah. Probably a lot of animals around. And you like animals oh, as we can as there we saw is, today. I'm telling your listening audience that there is a dog in the studio and he is my new lover. I love him <laughs> so much. He's a poodle, I think, and he's so fluffy. Shout out to Reggie. Oh, he's playing fetch right now in the courtyard. It's so cute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, we wish Reggie well. Um but uh, L.A. came later. L.A. came later. I, I associate you with L.A. Oh, okay. But Thank you, you were in New York for I a long time. I was in New York for a long time. So this, you're dreaming there on the porch, throwing sticks into the woods. Yes, that's Making friends with picture. the animals. Yes, and, naming uh, them all. You went to school in New York? I, I can't remember. I went to Georgetown in D.C. Georgetown, D.C. And started doing improv comedy there. In D.C. In D.C. Uh-huh. Um Around the same time that, like, Nick Kroll and Mike Birbiglia were there. So we were all doing improv oh. together. And then um, after college, I moved to New York City. Was that on your own? Like, I, w- I know I want to go to New York? Or yeah, was it was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm yeah. going to, like, work jobs until I can be an actor. And I was working jobs. I was, like, bartending and working at f- in finance at a record label and doing PR and advertising and... 
Uh, this was during the dot com craze that we called it, and then it was so great. Yeah, and so many launch parties. So many launch parties. You, everyone had their dogs in offices and <laughs> ping pong tables and this foosball. Was, oh my gosh! Foosball. Oh, the foosball games I was invited to before Postmates. There was this thing called Cosmo dot com that was Ooh. a real delight. Oh yes, Cosmo. You could order like <laughs> an ice cream sandwich and a pack of tissues, and they yeah. would bring it to you. And yes. everyone was just doing cocaine. That's a lie. I've never done cocaine. <laughs> I've actually never done cocaine in my life. But me, I'm su- assuming they're – well done. Yep. I'm assuming there were many people doing cocaine, and it was a big party, and they were just, like, throwing away money, and they were like, if you want to work this job and leave for auditions, that's great. We've got all the money in the world. And then um, the dot-com crash happened. Surprisingly, that was unsustainable. Yeah, it was unsustainable, <laughs> although I feel like we're doing it again now with apps, but it's fine. Um, and then, you know, that little thing called 9-11 happened. Yep. So everyone was like, no office jobs aren't really going to work. Um, but then I started uh, working on a TV show a few years later called Boiling Points, oh. which was a prank show on MTV. There we go. Um, and that was my first like real TV job. Prior to that, had you already discovered UCB? Yes. Or had it not existed? I discovered UCB before they even had their theater. Like, we used to go watch them perform at Solo Arts. Okay. um, And we would, like, hire Matt Walsh to, like, come and teach us improv in, like, Birbiglia's mom's (laughs) pied-a-terre in the city. And, And he was, Walsh at the time was just, like, you know, like a... Got, I mean, in my mind, he was like this older veteran, but he was like much younger than I am now. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you guys want to pay me 40 bucks, like teach you improv? Okay. And then eventually they uh, opened their theater in, I think they opened in 2000. I could be wrong. It might, be, it might have been 2001 um, on 22nd Street. And yeah, and just right away started taking classes there. And um and then spent 10 years in New York doing comedy, doing improv, doing sketch, uh, starting to do, like, television commercials. There we go. And <laughs> uh, and getting excited that I was like, oh, I can get paid to do this. This is fun. And then, you know, auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. I got into the hosting world, which was I kind of stumbled into. Hosting. Hosting. I was a VJ for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, VH1. like a show. They give you the clips. You yeah, put it together. You they gave me the it. clips. I yeah. introduced them. <laughs> I assume um, someone was responsible for that, not you. But... <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I said, check it out a lot. Yeah. Um, was, that was some of the lingo? Yeah, that's some VJ lingo. I'll not... explain <laughs> what it is to you later. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, check yes, it please. out. Here's Rihanna coming in at number three. Check it out. Oh. Uh, like Casey Kasem. Like Casey Kasem. Moving up from number four. Yes. Yeah. All of your listeners will definitely know who Casey Kasem is. <laughs> that's okay. I do. I remember <laughs> that's Casey all right. Um, and yeah, and then I was like, you know what? LA's where the big fish go. That's the momentum. Big fish? Big, big dogs? Fish? There's definitely big some big cats. dogs here, as we're finding out every day. <laughs> there's another dog. Um, yeah, and then the, here I am. That's great. Well, uh, back to UCB for a minute. I, I love that you were there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talked to so many NYU kids that had just come out, and they say, oh, well, I was doing UCB at 18. Yeah. Because it was just part of the culture. But uh, for you and I, uh, we had to, you and me, we had to find, discover it. Uh, at yeah. least I came to it much later. But it sounds like you right there as everybody. How it did was, you even know that they were doing stuff? Um, because, because when I was Kroll in college. Yeah, well, we all kind of learned at the same time. I it really, I would credit it back to my improv coach in college. His name was Chris Fosdick, and he was from Chicago. Oh, there you go. So he had been very into the Improv Olympic and Annoyance Theater and um, Second City scenes. So he came, when he when he was my improv coach, he taught us the Herald, which is, for those people who don't know, long form, a certain form of right. long prom, improvisation. And um, we were one of the only colleges in the country at the time doing long form. Everyone was doing these like short games and stuff. So we just not even trying to kind of became on the forefront of like the college scene. So we knew who everyone was. And then we hired some people from Improv Olympic to come out and coach us. And then we met UCB, the UCB four that way. Um, so yeah, when they started the theater, we had already, we already knew who they were right there. And you took to it. And we took to it. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. I loved it. And it was really exciting in the beginning because it was only, the people in the audience were other improvisers. Nobody knew, like improv now is pretty mainstream. Yeah. But at the time, you know, the only people who knew about it were other improvisers. Right. It's like if D and D like suddenly became mainstream, which maybe it will be now that Netflix is out or that um, Stranger Things is on Netflix. Oh, yeah. But 
No. But no, no, it won't. <laughs> There's too many sides to the dice. But it's like it was one of those things where it was like so exciting, and and this like cool club that only we were a part of, um, and other people were like, I don't get it, I don't get it. But then all of a sudden, when everyone gets it, it blew up right, and there's part right. of me that's like we've been telling you for years how cool this was <laughs> right. but you would just make fun of me for going to my improv show all the time yes um but no it's very exciting that improv has taken off that people who aren't even in the arts know what it is and know who ucb is and now ucb has blown up and opened this training center here and yep. they're an accredited school now i mean it's very exciting yes and do you, will you uh, they're closing you know the chelsea location yes i heard you have some fond memories of that place i do i was bummed to hear that but but because i started at the 22nd street theater it's not as like precious to me right when they closed the 22nd street that was that was sad because they that had originally been like a porn shop oh right um, a lot of like uh, Hasidim people coming. Yes, Hasidic, uh, and they would in. still come sometimes looking for porn, right? Um, which was interesting. Uh, but it didn't have like it wasn't zoned to be a theater. So eventually, the fire department was like, "Oh, you can't have fifty drunk college kids in here. Like, what are you doing?" <laughs> um, so it got shut down. But yes, it, what a bummer that they're closing the Twenty Sixth Street Theater. I did yes. have a lot of fun times there. I had, I think I did one show there, and it was uh, lovely. It's a good time. Yeah, it's fun. Good energy in that space for being in the basement. Oh below my gosh! A grocery yeah. store. And I loved the Gristidis, um like fisherman anima- animatronic thing that you'd always hear in the middle of shows, <laughs> like "Welcome to Gristidis." <laughs> it was great. Well, maybe they can bring that along. <laughs> maybe they can bring it along. That would be good. <laughs> well, uh, and then of course you fell into that other uh, secretive, wonderful club of uh, uh, VJs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to take <laughs> off soon, too. I hope my guided meditation circle also takes off. I hope so. Really Good gets... luck with that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, uh, one thing I want to talk to you about, because it's something that uh, I just really appreciate uh, that, that you do, that put out there, because you're talking about moving to L.A. and getting mm-hmm. pulled into this and doing many more commercials and that sort of thing. You have a Instagram account. I do. And you regularly post looks. From auditions. I do, The yes. feature is so important, it should be in the back of the sag After magazine. <laughs> Thank you. Which, of course, I look forward to getting every <laughs> month. Is it month? Who knows how sure, often that, bu- sure. that publication comes out. So great. But uh, but how did that start, you doing this thing? Is it just a natural sort of um, here I am dressed as these people? Yeah, I guess it came out of frustration more than anything else. I was going on a lot of auditions, and I am still very lucky to go on all these auditions but it does start to feel tedious after a while, yeah. especially when I'm not working on a show or, you know, don't have like a big gig going on. I, I live, you know, through these side hustles of commercials and things like that. So sometimes it's just like beating your head against the wall because you're like, OK, dress like a casual mom and drive to Santa Monica and say you're two, do your hair and makeup, say your two lines and then drive back. And it's just like I was getting very frustrated with it. And I realized if I made more of a game out of it and had fun with it. Um, that I might enjoy it more. So sure enough, and I also realize that people who don't do it, who don't audition, um, you know, normal, intelligent, smart people who are have their lives together, uh, they don't know what the weird descriptions are that we get as actors. Yes. So I just started posting exactly what I wear to each audition and exactly what the description was, <laughs> right. taking out any identifying qualifiers of what the TV show or commercial would be because yeah. that's because yes. sometimes you sign NDAs. Yep. Um, but people are, they always think I make them up. And I'm like, these are all verbatim. I'm not making any of them up. Um, they're often like sexist or ageist yes. um, or heightist or weightist. <laughs> they're just like everything-ist. Yes. The uh, process of narrowing, <laughs> narrowing down the look. Exactly. Yes. But I've just had so much fun with them. And now, so what used to happen is when I'd get a very specific weird one, which happens, they'll just be these irritating ones that are like, must wear a nightgown that is a dark purple. And I'm like, it's an audition. Yeah. Like, do you have to see me? In a, I don't have a dark yeah. purple nightgown. But now when I get one of those, I get so excited because I'm like, oh, this is going to make a great <laughs> Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. Should people be asking that, though? Should people be asking what? Like a, perp- a nightgown? Oh, no. Absolutely is, uh, not. Is he actors to show up? No. No. Absolutely not. No. 
And like, I get it, you know, like whenever you go in for a Best Buy commercial, for example, they uh, they always ask you to wear a blue yeah, well, um, yeah. okay. polo. I don't have a blue polo. <laughs> no. I'm a grown it's, woman. I don't have a blue polo. yet an employee of Best exactly. Buy. Exactly. <laughs> but people will show up at that audition with like khakis and their blue polo on and I'll wear like a blue collared shirt at the closest thing I have. Um, but Did you get is... a look from the casting uh, person there? <laughs> I, oh, I didn't okay. book one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but I have th- thought about it. Like, do I need to buy a blue polo? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, no. <laughs> I don't think so. You're doing okay. I, don't, I mean, the Best Buy ones, they run, they're nice in the holiday. You get a holiday one. You get a holiday one, you're set. Oh, man. They don't do as many of those anymore. No, I had a Radio Shack holiday one running a few years ago. Yeah. With Engelbert Humperdinck. Hey, Remember? now. Dink? Humperdink, Humperdink, Humperdink. Engelbert Humperdink. Dink or Dick? I don't know. I think it's Dink. Engelbert Humperdink. Humperdink. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds wrong saying it, doesn't it? <laughs> well, he was in that commercial. Oh, that well. Holiday spot. That's nice. That's uh, I uh, was thinking the first time I came out here, I drove right from Las Vegas, and I had God. spent all of my money in the casino by mistake. I had nothing. You didn't I, spend it. You gambled it. I gave it to the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> casino. But I, I regretted it because where I was staying, Wayne Newton was performing. Yep. And for the same amount that I lost, I could have gone to see Wayne Newton. Yep. Now, I later stood in line behind Wayne Newton at the Burbank Airport in the security line. Oh, that's interesting. But it wasn't the same. No, it wasn't the same. No. But you saw him. Did he take his shoes and shoes off? Or was uh, he, did he have TSA be- pre-check? That did not exist yet, I think, oh, when I saw him. Right. And he had a big buckle. Yeah, to get get that buckle off. <laughs> so, well, I, I I'm always intrigued by how the auditions work. I only went on a couple in person ones, and it was always like, They're, wow, yeah. I look like all of you, and that's sad. They're soulless. They're really soulless. It's, it's hard. That's some of the audio ones I like doing. That's I why I wanted to add, inject some my, fun into it. Oh yeah. Well, that's I and it's really valuable. I think. For people to just see what people are asking yeah. for. And more than that, it's fun for you. It's fun for me. And I am surprised <laughs> at how people, how much people love them and how much other actors, too, are like, this is great. I look up your audition looks when I don't know what to wear for, like, businesswoman or casual oh. mom. And I'm like, oh, that's flattering that you use my stuff. Like, I'm glad I'm helping people. Yeah, but you should maybe get a little cut. Yeah, I should. They should all send me money. <laughs> cash in the mail. Well, speaking of uh, great fun. Many of our Deep Night listeners mm-hmm. will, of course, uh, know you from your star turn on the show Parks and Recreation. Yes, which, I hope so. Which I've watched every episode multiple <laughs> times. And how did Shauna Malway Tweep come to be? Um, she is a character created by Dan Gore. Yeah. Um, of Parks and Rec. and But fully inhabited by you. Fully inhabited by me. <laughs> uh, I auditioned for that's actually a funny story about when I auditioned for that because I auditioned for that and The Office in the same week The Office was the role that uh, Ellie Kemper eventually got oh yeah and I got called back for both of them and auditioned for them and I had just moved to LA and I was sleeping on my floor because my furniture didn't get there yet yep and my heat wasn't working yet Um, Because they hadn't turned on the gas, which doesn't sound bad in L.A., but it was like a freakishly cold night. So I was sleeping on the floor, um, and I found out that I didn't book the office. And normally I would be like, that's fine. I find out that I don't book things every day. But I was, like, really excited, and I just moved out here, and I was feeling very lonely sitting on my floor by myself. Find out I didn't book a job, so I started to cry. And then right when I started to cry, my phone rang again. And I got a call from a cast director in New York who was like, everyone's trying to find out who your agent is. You booked the Amy Poehler job. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> um, at the time, it didn't even have a name. It was ah, just called yeah. the Amy Poehler Project. Um, so that was really exciting. And I got to shoot uh, with them before I was in episode three, but originally it was shot to be episode two. So it was before the show had been airing. So it was wow. just very, still like very exciting and intimate and, and fun um, to be on set. And everyone... I mean, I've known Amy for years, but everyone there is just so. I mean, knew Aubrey and Aziz as well. A lot of the UCB so folks were yes, involved. Yes, exactly. In that, so, so it yeah. felt like home to me right off the bat, and 
that set was just I have nothing bad to say about that set. So, it and it doesn't seem like so it would. lovely. It seems like a terrific time. Go, it, it's wonderful as a viewer, and it was kind of like one of the great shows, like Newhart or yeah. Buck Rogers or something. One of the greats where you'd uh, watch just the great characters, and then guest stars yeah. like yourself come in uh, and and contribute to the world, and then kind of stay a little bit longer, then they come back. It was always yeah, uh, it was so fun, and it's I didn't a beautiful know beautiful universe. Absolutely. And I didn't know doing it when I booked it that I was going to come back. But then they kept asking me back. And and as the seasons went on, I just loved that my character kind of became this like always unlucky in love girl. (laughs) Kind of parallels my real life, too. But I just (laughs) it just made me so happy. And they they really wanted um, in the series finale. The if anyone's listening and you've seen the series finale and you haven't seen the producer's cut, I would encourage you to watch the producer's cut, which is available online. It's a little longer and it has a lot of deleted scenes that they just couldn't fit into the one that uh-huh. was aired, including a wrap up for my character, Shauna Malway Tweep, and a wrap up for uh, uh, John Glazer's character, Jam, which I don't think was in the televised cut, but just so much funny stuff in there. Um, <laughs> That I really recommend watching. I, I'm going to go back and watch it. That's you've got to acknowledge the people naming that came up with the names for those characters. Oh my gosh, yeah, Shauna Malway. In my head, this is based on nothing. <laughs> but in my head, she was half Irish, half Native American. Yeah, that's that. That lines up. I feel like I could pass for half Irish, half Native American. Yeah. Maybe I sure. don't know. Yeah. But that's I was like, yeah, one of her parents is. I don't know which Malway and Tweep. I don't know which one's which, but yeah. <laughs> no, that that fit. And uh, I don't know the origin of Purd Happily, no. but one of the great names. Oh God! Of all what time. a character! <laughs> what a character! I got retweeted by him once, and it was a great, oh. great thrill for me. Yeah, and Jay, the guy who plays him, is so incredible. He was so funny too. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story, but like, he was a newscaster. Right, like he was right. actually he was a newscaster. Actually the guy. Yeah. And he got, and then he started getting cast as newscasters, and he's in another show. I think he's in Scandal. I don't watch it, but I think he's in Scandal. Someone on in the internet, Ether, correct me on this, but he yes. plays a newscaster on another show. And the first time I worked with him, that I was on the same day as him, I went up to him and introduced myself, and I was like, can we take a picture, you know, like the media of Pawnee? And he was like, yeah, but he was like a little quiet and shy. And I was like, that was weird. Why was he being weird to me? And then the next time I saw him on set, he came up to me and goes, I have to apologize. And I was like, what? He's like... I am not an actor, so when I started doing this show, I didn't watch the show. So he's like, I didn't know who you were. And he's like, I didn't even know what the show was about. And he's like, the show is so good. I started watching it. And I was like, I know, dude. You're, like, beloved by everyone in America. Do you not know this? So now he's, like, now we're friendly. And he's, yeah, he's just a great guy. He's so, <laughs> so funny. He's terrific. It's a, it's a really great, a great show. And as you said, your character is so unlucky. Yes. Uh, and you play a few like unlucky characters, right? Yeah, or at least I a little do. naive, maybe, which, yeah. which doesn't square with your actual self. Uh, but I mean, maybe the unlucky part is. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to manifest otherwise, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> right. How do you do that? You talking to some ladies of the canyon? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. get up there over in Topanga. Yeah. yeah. Eat some crystals. Are you sitting with the shamans? Yeah. The put some crystals Lake up shamans? your butthole. You know, it fixes oh. everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what our Gwynny says to do, yes, isn't it? Exactly. On my latest goop. Yeah, I haven't yet tried that. But yet. you have any? <laughs> yet, yeah. Like I said, I've just got here. Uh, any experiences with the uncanny or the occult? Um, because sometimes things don't work out here in Los Angeles. Sounds like you're just riding the wave of su- success. I'm, oh well, bless you. Um, yeah, I've I've had some ghost encounters. Not in L.A. though. Have I had any ghost encounters in L.A.? No, I haven't that I can think of. Have it's you? It's too far. It's too far for them to go. It's too far. The traffic, <laughs> that ghost much. traffic on the 405. Ghost traffic. Woo. Oh, gosh. <laughs> on the 4 Boo 5? No. Oh, what? No, that Something. was bad. Something. Forget this. Erase that part. <laughs> we'll, we'll cycle back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if I had anything, and I don't think that I did while I was here, but just, you know, I just tried to... Get through it, the yeah. times that I was having, and sometimes just be eating by myself, and that would That's be okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You'll now, be, right. now you have phones and things. At that point, yeah, you're never alone. <laughs> at that point, it was just sad at a Thai restaurant, <laughs> and thinking it's not the best Thai I've ever had. Do you remember getting your first laugh? Um. Oh, that is a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, I don't remember my first laugh. But I remember early feelings of getting laughed. I remember 
my first laugh doing improv or the feeling of it anyway. I don't remember the joke or anything. But that is such an incredible feeling because anything before that is you're saying the lines of someone who wrote them. Yeah. But improv, I remember that feeling so vividly, uh, but not the particular joke, but just that of being in that we performed in this place called Bulldog Alley, which was like this kind of extra room in the student center that no one was using. And we're like, okay, I guess this is where the improv troupe performs. Sounds great. And just that feeling of like, oh, I made something up on the spot and people laughed at it. That is like a drug. <laughs> it feel real good. That's the connection, and isn't it? And mama want more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was thinking about that myself. And um, uh, you ever go down to like Disneyland, Disney World, oh, yes, that kind of thing? Oh, yes, of course. So you know Epcot Center. I was just there two oh, weeks really? ago. Oh, yes, with my this... nieces and nephew. Oh, it's, so, it's a magical place. Oh, it really is. I went there as a young boy or something, probably in the off season, mm-hmm. as usual, wearing a sweatshirt with Mickey on it. <laughs> Great. And we were there at the Epcot. You know, they have the International Food Court. Oh, I know it very well. Kind of world, where I guess people from Orlando pretend to be from New Zealand yes. or something. So, in their defense, they often do get people from those countries. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> also, also, it's probably a good gig to get. An acting yes. gig is probably nice. Yes. For for those that can't be flown in from exactly. other places, and I hope they're all treated well in some kind of international village like the Olympics Where or something. Where they are kept. But let oh, yeah. <laughs> Where they're <food>. kept. <laughs> However, I remember sitting there at the English pub, yes. the authentic English pub oh, there. I've been, yes. And uh, I got my grandfather and my mother going about those. I remember talking about the movies um, where you'd have animals that had suddenly turned on people. So okay. it would be like alligator where the kid gives the, tosses, flushes the alligator down the toilet and it goes into the sewer and it grows yes. very large. Or frogs where a kid gets rid of a frog and then they come back with a lot of frogs. Right. Or so. I'm okay. not exactly sure. Or piranha, which I think is just bad fish. I think that's yeah, what happened Yeah, bad fish there. that are discarded down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the amphibious creatures. There's something to it. But talking about that, describing these, and they started laughing, then the people started laughing, the other people started laughing, the wait staff was going. <laughs> I mean, it was a good... <laughs> And you were like, I like that. I was like, I live here now. I'm coming back. But I know there's nothing like it. There's a really special feeling. And then to know that, well, I could do that. I could get some laughs. Maybe I'll dedicate my life to that. (laughs) It's funny when it happens. I'll always chase that. It is. But do you find now that it's harder to like enjoy comedy in general? Comedy in general? Yeah. Uh,. Because sometimes, like, sometimes I'm watching shows or watching movies, <laughs> and I will laugh. I don't want you to think I'm completely humorless. Uh, I will laugh, but often I will just nod and say to myself, that was funny. That was a good joke. Oh, yeah, kind of like a New Yorker cartoon or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and just not actually laugh. Yeah, Because yeah, I'm I like, I respect the, how, that, how well that joke was crafted. You see the mechanics behind it. Yeah, and, yeah. All, and sometimes that added into there is sometimes a tinge of jealousy too (laughs) if i see a tweet that's like especially if you know like a lot of times people have similar or whatever there's like everybody's tweeting now about like donald jr's tweet about his daughter on halloween sure and you know everybody has their pitches their joke to the world via twitter and then if you see someone else's who's funnier i'm just like damn I think of that like it makes bums me out I don't yes. want that in my I don't but I don't want that jealousy in my brain it is not productive it's not to productive have. <laughs> it is not productive but it certainly is there and uh, somewhat unavoidable yeah although I, I am why well, I am I was gonna say lucky but I don't think lucky is the word I think I'm grounded enough that I don't get that seething jealousy that people have for other people's careers yeah and I see a lot of my friends have it and it's that that worries me I don't have that. I'm just like there's room, there's food yes. enough for everyone. Yes, I do. I have come to that. Yes. Part of that is just maturity. We, yes. we we get to a certain point and have done enough, and it's okay. Yeah, and maybe we're a little bit comfortable in what we do. Exactly, we're in command of our faculties. Yeah, so and that I feels will, good. And I will admittedly have tinges of it with specific jobs where I'm like, oh, that I really wanted that job. But nine times out of ten, I'm like, but I know that girl, and she is so perfect for that gig. Right. Like even that that office job with Ellie, I was like, of course that goes to Ellie. like the, she's that per like it was so perfect for her. Right. So I I usually am pretty good about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I can't say I'm completely without jealousy because sometimes, um, 
you, you think, oh, well, we've had a great conversation or somebody will uh, right. come on the show or do something great and we get a good connection for a little while. And and they produce shows yeah. requiring funny people. <laughs> but the phone so doesn't then ring. I don't know if maybe it's me, but then I think it's fine. I'm not out there every night. I'm yeah. not a stand-up there thing, is... so it's okay. But it is interesting because that's something that happens in L.A. a lot is because we are um, lucky, again, I don't know if that's the right word, but we've put in our time. So we do know show producers and writers and show creators and things. And I will a common scenario for me is I will be out at a bar or restaurant and run into a f- producer friend or whatever. Oh, Allison, we should have you on. The- we've got to have you on the show. We've yes. got to have you on the show. Zero percent of the time is that does that come to fruition. But all I can do in the moment is just be like, "Yes, put me on the show. Absolutely. I would love to be on the show." <laughs> um, but yeah, well, you can't say anything else. And they're not doing it to be dicks. They're they're genuinely just like they have a million other things to think about. Right. Um, but yeah, it is. And I will say that parks, the parks people, and I've said this before. I just recently did a, a parks and rec specific podcast that was very fun. Um, but the parks cast and crew was so empathetic about things like that. I remember one time I was, I shot an episode and they, it was the episode where they were introducing the Rob Lowe character. So they needed to dedicate a lot of time to his character and my scene got cut and I didn't know it was going to get cut. And Mike Schur, who's one of the creators emailed me directly and said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, uh, in case you told any family or friends to watch this week, we had to cut your scene. I'm so sorry. And he was so apologetic. And I was just floored because that does not happen in Hollywood. Correct. No one ever follows up and says like, hey, make sure she knows or he knows that their scene is not going to – like no one gives a shit. And they give so many shits. Yeah, <laughs> right. They just – they gave a lot of shits over there. It seemed and like that, it. And that meant – like little things like that meant so much. And I think you see that specifically with that cast too, how they grow together oh, and yeah. are funnier, just oh my amplified God, yeah. hundreds of times. And that's – I mean it's true with – with any show, too, with as far as, like, the chemistry goes. Like, if you watch old episodes of Seinfeld, you're like, this is clunky. This is real clunky. Right. <laughs> especially with Susan or whatever. Yeah, but it? then it becomes, like, the best show, you know, yes. one of the best shows yeah. on television. Yeah. So it takes time. Yes. yes. Like an improv troupe. You're oh. better the more you perform together. Yes, that's true. Or even sketch. Yeah, and sketch. Oh, yeah. Listen. <laughs> I just did more sketch than improv, so I have to say that <laughs> for our sketch listeners out there. Um, gosh, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm so well, pleased that everything is going so well, and uh, you're going to be continuing to do uh, more, more things all the time. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm I'm writing a couple of movies now. I'm pitching a drama TV show, which has been really interesting. Wow. Um yeah, that's been a whole new world for me. That's <laughs> great. Uh, but you, you you enjoy that process of writing. Yes, I love the process of writing. Has that always been there all the way along? It has, but I haven't really fostered it as much as I have recently. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad. I feel like my life is taking a career shift and that I'm uh, – I had been an actor who writes, and I'm uh, recently feeling more like a writer who acts. Um, that's a big shift. Yeah, it's a big shift, but but yeah. fun. Yes, and and a little scary because like people just know me more as an actor, so you're kind of taking a few steps back and have to make a few more contacts. But but by the same token, I already have some contacts, so it is a little bit of a step backwards. But it's just more. It's less um, dire. Like if nothing's going on, I can write. Yeah. When nothing's going on, when you're acting, you're just like sitting there playing grab ass. Yes. So, however, you do have to be disciplined, don't you? Yeah. To, to, oh, yeah. Yeah. If which I is, don't know that something's coming up, it's very hard for me to. Me too. Which is pick why pick up the quill. Yes. I. <laughs> you still write with a quill pen? Well, I try. Maybe that's your issue. <laughs> Could um, be. <laughs> I write with partners, which just. Oh yeah, that means that things get done. Well, yeah, that's a good strategy. Yeah. So I'm writing with three different partners. <laughs> I now. should make a friend. <laughs> Reggie's available. Reggie the dog <laughs> is available. Good. He is very he's, needy. He's given us some good material. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to break up my furniture <laughs> to keep him occupied. Yes, when the stool broke, Reggie took 
the leg of the stool that broke as like, a stick in his mouth. It was very adorable. Could not be happier. I mean, just was so excited. Talking about making lemons out of lemonade. We were like, oh, shit, the stool broke. And Reggie was like, free toy. <laughs> it's really a life lesson. It is a life lesson. Mm-hmm. Let's think of Reggie yeah. as we go through life. When your metaphorical stool breaks, <laughs> yes, treat it like Reggie. <laughs> Be a Reggie. I'm getting that tattooed. I'm just a broken Hashtag stool somewhere. Be a Reggie. <laughs> yeah, be a Reggie. That's wonderful. Will you be touring with the the control film at um, all to Q and A? Yes, I will be doing uh, at least two stops here in Los Angeles at the LA Comedy Fest and at the Santa Monica International Film Festival. And I will also be traveling to Lafayette, Louisiana, oh. to do Southern Screen. And I'm also going to be teaching a workshop down there if anyone's in Louisiana. I'm um, going to be in Louisiana. You are? Yes. Well, I'll be there mid-November, November 17th, 18th-ish. Yeah, yeah it's the Hell Yes Festival, which oh, I'll yeah. be performing at. Oh, fun. So maybe I'll see you down there. That would be great. Oh, we'll have a beignet. Beignet and a hurricane? Yeah. Not a, sorry, Sazerac. the drink. The drink yes, hurricane. Yes, you I can have a hurricane. Or a Sazerac or just... Last time I went down last year and they taught me the two-step. Oh. Did you learn the two-step when you were down there? No, I didn't have... No one uh, approached me. Well, (laughs) you got to learn it. I guess so. And then you can approach a lady and ask her to two-step. Oh, that would be fun. I mean, it was real fun. I almost went on a haunted uh, horse tour. Oh, I wanted to do one of those. They are real big drinkers down there. Yes, you have like, to fortify yourself. real big drink. Like, I was, like, not prepared. <laughs> no, it's serious. <laughs> like, yeah, real big drinkers. Yeah, you need to have And a... you could drink on the street. Anywhere. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. Well, it's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good time down there, and I will have my lightweight turtleneck ready Great. so that it can breathe. I have Great. a mesh one for New Orleans. <laughs> um, Allison, it's been so lovely having you Thank here you for having in me. the deep night. Thank you truly for making the trip. And uh, we can find you out there doing things, right? You can find me out there, and I'm pretty good about um, updating my Twitter and Instagram. They're both at the Allison Becker. That's Allison good. only has one L. One L. We'll remember it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Allison. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, Allison Becker is a dream. So great. And our thanks to studio dog Reggie, who really brought us all together. Reggie belongs to sound engineer Paul Holman, who was our audio guide through this episode of Deep Night. I know I ought to have him for every one of these things, but I can't because he's in L.A. and there's no way to work across the country with digital audio files. Folks, come see us in the Deep Night Live. We're going to be doing a tremendously fun show next week at the Slipper Room, where I will be joined by Lola Kirk, actor and musician. You know her from Mozart in the Jungle or maybe other things. Uh, Gone Girl, she was in that too. She's also a talented musician with a new album, I think, coming out. Uh, Petal is also great. That's Kylie Lotz. New York Times says she's the future of rock and roll. You dig? <laughs> Plus comedy superstars, Wanjiko Ake and Sarah Lazarus. How do you need more reasons to come to the show? Wednesday, November 15th, 8 p.m. at the Slipper Room. Tickets and information on deepnightshow.com. Cornelius Loy will also be there. If you needed something, <laughs> a little extra twist on the theremin. That's what he's going to be playing. It's a lot of positive energy in one place. Then for me, it's off to New Orleans. And uh, I'll be performing there as part of the Hell Yes Fest, November 16th and 18th. Late show, short bits, a lot of crowd work. Check it out. Lucky numbers this week are come to the live and shows. Because seriously, 12 bucks, November 15th, 8 p.m. Those are all the numbers you need. Personalized reading tonight is directed at Oliver Drenched in Hotfoot Gulch, Colorado. Humperdink? Humperdink. Humperdink. Engelbert Humperdink. Well, there you go, Oliver. Now remember, although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is brought to you by Jameson Spirit Cleanser, the original prairie-grade sage that you can burn whenever things start making noises in your walls. Or a spirit appears at the foot of your bed wearing 18th century sailing regalia. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Deep Night Season 10 podcast image by artist Kelsey Roten. Deep Night Season 10 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the season provided by the talented roster of Howler Hills Farm. The Deep Night podcast can be found on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on Apple Podcasts, where we kindly ask you to subscribe and then leave a rating or a review. Once again, thank you for listening.